Hi guys, thank you so much for joining me once again. My name is Cassidy Cook and this podcast showcases my book, Liquid Lineage. So welcome back if you're back. However, if you're new here, what are you doing here? You should not be here. You need to be all the way back at episode one. So please leave us and I can only hope that we get the pleasure of seeing you again someday soon. Okay, welcome back everybody. This is chapter seven. And this week is going to be a little bit different because as you may have noticed, this is titled chapter seven, part one. So yes, chapter seven is going to be split up in two. And I'm doing this because I probably won't have time to edit or post for about a week. So there will not be an episode posted on August 3rd. After today, chapter seven, part two will be posted on August 10th. In spite of this and in the spirit of making it up to you guys, part two will be the longest episode yet. And just so you guys know, I am working really hard to figure out a more balanced schedule between doing this podcast along with work and being somewhat social. So please understand, I want to stay as consistent as possible, but we all know life happens sometimes and we're all just rolling with the punches over here. To sum it up, chapter seven, part two will be posted on August 10th. No episode will be posted on August 3rd. This one is gonna be a little bit shorter because I want the big bulk of the finale of chapter seven to be located on chapter seven, part two, obviously. All right, sliding into this week's summary section, we have got to talk about chapter six. Big, big things are happening behind the scenes for the Luker family, and there are different reasons for each of them individually. Crane is petrified for the majority of the day, hunkered and hiding in his room. He knows his father is planning to speak with only God knows who about the strange finding in the forest yesterday. This can only mean one of two things, that Lachlan is either trying to protect his family or absolve himself of them. And now, given his father's eagerness to step in front of the public eye, Crane fears it's the latter. His hands may be clean after digging that hole, but his conscience most definitely is not. While the boy is brewing his self-made misery stew, his father is making a new friend. Or so thinks the rookie detective. Aubergine and Lachlan meet for the first time in chapter six and something unseen blossoms. It could be as simple as a new hand to shake or a smile to share, but the power dynamic will be complex for these two and they both felt it. As we're now slowly making our way into this week, I do hope you enjoy the first half of chapter seven. And of course, as always, please reach out to me on Liquid Lineage Podcast on Instagram if you have any questions, input, or support. I truly appreciate all of it. All right, let's just jump right in. You are listening to episode seven, chapter seven, part one. Crane wraps his dripping palm around the black remote, feeling his pulse thump against his skin from the inside out. Resting his thumb on the rewind button, he looks upwards towards the flat screen hanging on the wall in the center of the center room and waits to gain enough strength to watch the precursor to his father's bomb strike. While waiting, live, he sees one reporter's morning coffee tongue nearly flopping out of their heads once they hear the word terrorists. He sees two more anchors, both from lesser-known local stations, gossiping with wondering eyes and pinching fingers. Their body language screams at Crane, and what it tells him is that people are curious, and curious people don't often mesh well with his family. Before adding slight pressure to the remote, in effect playing back the press conference, 
Crane takes a deep breath and imagines himself standing in the doorway of a mental facility, waving at his family as they leave the parking lot. That's what he is planning, he whispers as he lets his mind run hauntingly free and tries to piece together a somewhat smart but gravely misguided puzzle. Seek and you shall find, and here and now, Crane was seeking and he would soon find. Reaching far and stumbling upon an answer as to why his father would do something like an impromptu public appearance, he suddenly feels as if Lachlan knows it was him who dug the hole in the forest and is pretending not to. Crane lands on a contorted conclusion and it is this. Lachlan wants the media to do what it does. Lachlan wants the media to blacklist his mentally ill son so when he himself does the same thing, it won't only be understandable, but seen as the best scenario for all involved. Crane is extrapolating and continues making his way through this mental terrain when in fact the idea comes to him. Would his father actually allow the public to socially sacrifice his son so he wouldn't have to? He is saddened by the question, but a grander sadness sweeps over him when he comes to terms with the answer which is yes. Absolutely. Lachlan will protect the lineage at all costs, even if the cost is one of the lineage's own. A tear forms in the corner of Crane's right eye once he successfully convinces himself of this and in hopes of further proving his theory, he presses the rewind button. He watches as the people on the TV move reversely, walking and talking backwards, and his father removes himself from the podium. Once he sees him moonwalking off the stage, he presses play and applause leaks out of the speakers as Lachlan glitches back into forward motion. Approaching the center of the platform, Lachlan enters the arena confident and empty-handed, followed by Aubergine who stands behind him and to his left to face the crowd. Thank you all for coming! Lachlan starts off by projecting loudly, while waving his hand slightly to gesture hello, he says, I understand you have a lot of questions, I will attend to as many of them as I can, however, I believe it would be most efficient if I were to begin by providing my initial statement explaining why I have asked you to be here today. The applause dies out and the hot and humid air fills the empty space between the heaping pile of bodies awaiting Lachlan below, and he begins. Around 11 o'clock last night, I made the difficult decision to inform our local news station, Net6, on what I am preparing to talk to you about. Though, given your attendance, I'm sure you've already been made partially aware of the circumstances. He takes a breath and continues. I am graciously accompanied by my great friend. He says, looking over his shoulder, then back to the crowd. Detective Aubergine and I are looking into a possible threat present beyond the tree line. An uproar of whispers animates the crowd as reporters and civilians alike cover their mouths, jot down notes, watching everyone's wild-eyed reactions unfolding around them. Lachlan interrupts the noise and presses on, being somewhat fed by the excitement. He dramatizes, Yellow Hills could be under siege. However, we understand the lack of information available at the moment may be frustrating for some of you. I can tell you we are doing our absolute best to investigate and find an answer that satisfies what we already know to be true. And what is that? Shouts a shrewd civilian from the back portion of the audience. Pardon? Lachlan says as he raises his right hand to meet his brow line like a salute, but it is used to block the sun from his eyes. As he squints, he sees an ant of a woman, dressed in brown, skeletal, and excluded from the rest of the pack. 
What do you know to be true? She yells, surely spitting on the nape of the neck of the gentleman standing in front of her. The crowd dissects her with their eyes, and after deciding that they too would like to know, they collectively pivot to look back at Lachlan, and he responds with, Well, ma'am, for those of you who may not know me, he spews boastfully, knowing everyone definitely does in fact know him. My name is Lachlan Luker, and I live at the top of Yellow Hill. The forest is my family's backyard, and our lives are influenced by it daily. The elements, the animals, the unknown dangers I do my best to warn my three children of. What comes in and what goes out of the tree line has increasingly become my business over the years, and as a result of this, there isn't a leaf that blows in the wind or falls to the ground without me knowing. Recently, though, I am finding oddities. Holes being dug by what seems to be human hands. Muddy, crude weaponry. Dark articles of clothing hung high up in the canopies. These are unlike anything I've encountered in the 51 years I've lived on that mountain. As Crane watches the screen, he snaps out of what feels like a slight trance and flattens the rewind button once again, releases it, and presses play when Lachlan says, Finding oddities. Holes being dug by what seems to be human hands. Muddy, crude weaponry. Dark articles of clothing hung high up in the canopy. These are unlike anything I've encountered in the 51 years I've lived on the mountain. He rewinds again. Muddy, crude weaponry. Dark articles of... Crane abruptly pauses the recorded broadcast and thinks to himself, None of this makes sense. There are no weapons, and he never saw my jacket. I made sure of it, and on top of that, he was far too focused on getting to his study as hastily as he was. There's no way he noticed any of the sort. Crane remarks out loud, What is he up to? In the same breath as Lachlan enters through the front door. Yay, thank you guys so much for joining me once again. I hope you enjoyed Chapter 7, Part 1. Like I said in the very beginning, on August 10th, I will be back with Part 2. But as always, until then, stay solid. See ya!